podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are watching the 111th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and uh, today we're going to talk about, of all things, Matt Gaudet and the Apple situation here. Apple getting revenge for someone who wasn't even on his team, you know, just kind of trying to show the rookie what's up. And we're also going to talk about last night's game between the Woods and the Chaos. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this video anywhere that you can. And you can always go to laxfactor.com, watch our videos there, get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts, support the podcast that way. At least go check it out, laxfactor.com. So let's get into it first. The Matt Gaudet thing. I talked about it a little bit in the last podcast, but but when I talked about it at that point, we didn't have the retaliation out of Apple in their in the following game. So what we end up seeing, we see one night Gaudet talking a bunch of hot trash to you know to the chaos to Blaze Reardon more specifically. He had the cackle going on all in all for a rookie to do that, especially when the rookies mic'd up in his first, I think by then at that point, I'm not sure if it was his first game or his second game, but either way, mic'd up. It was, it was disrespectful. If I'm talking from a coach's perspective or an old curmudgeon's perspective as a player and as a player who talked a lot of trash as a coach who didn't mind my players talking crash in the right scenarios, I was okay with it to a degree, but admittedly it got annoy, annoying. And I wasn't sure because he didn't get his head taken off in that game. I wasn't sure if maybe this was just funny to all these guys because maybe they're pals and it was okay to have this dude. Because if it was your buddy and he was pulling all that shit, you'd think it was funny. You really would. And then like if him and Blaze were cool, you'd think that was funny. So I don't know what, I don't know if there was something done on the chaos side. Like I know that he, I think that was the chaos that he got traded from. I don't, and I know maybe Fields, had po- someone said something about Fields maybe popping off first. I don't remember. A, if Connor Fields pops off to you first, eat it because you ain't Connor Fields and you are never going to be Connor Fields. That's that's one thing. Um, when you got vets and vets that are all time greats like Connor Fields is, uh, you kind of let them say things. Uh, but so, I mean, maybe they brought it out of him a little bit. But either way, we all agree. There were moments where it was funny in that first game. And then there was moments where it was like, oh, you know, that kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Um, but even if you didn't care, I think all of us agree. We None of us in that game had the chaos retaliated in the way that Apple did. I think it, it's it's a little bit more accepted by everybody. I've actually been surprised at the number of pansy asses out there that think that what Apple did is just absolutely atrocious and horrible. And I, I yes, it was uncalled for, but there is a certain level of adulthood here that you have to learn. Uh, you're going to pop off at the mouth. You are going to run the risk of of getting popped back. Now, I think one of the things that I said was if you put dickhead out into the world, you're going to get dickhead back. And I think that a lot of people that I'm seeing in Twitterverse think that Apple is a dickhead. And they're basing that on this play, but more they're basing that on this play mixed with a couple of the hits last year. He had a a nasty hit on Connor Fields last year. I think he's the one that busted up Schreiber's shoulder. So he's an aggressive defender that beats people up and sometimes maybe takes it too far on behalf of his team trying to enforce. Now, in the case with Gaudet, where Apple the, the first hit that Apple put on Gaudet, and I believe he was involved earlier in the game when they had the little scuffle also, it was a very apparent to me that the officials were letting them give him the business a little more than they normally would. So I think what we're seeing here is in, in life, in society, there's certain things men 
can and can't say to each other. And men always understand that we are always dealing with the threat of violence. That's why we're far more cordial overall in terms of our social interactions with each other uh, than women are. And, you know, women practice social sabotage. Men practice in fighting. So where women have it out, they're going to use that tongue and they're going to lash each other with their tongues far more, far worse than men will because by the time men get to escalating things with their tongues, they're ready to fight. So we're far less to engage in that type of behavior simply because we have that threat of violence always looming over us. Not that women don't too. I mean, there's some pretty aggressive women out there, but on average, that's true. On average, men fight, women talk trash, and it's just how we're built to a degree. Uh, you can't front on a million years worth of evolution. So I think that in this world here, you even though what happened was undesirable in many people's eyes, even though what Apple did was viewed as totally egregious and some people were calling for, I know Queener was calling for like a three game suspension. I don't know if that's what he wanted or if that's just what he assumed they were going to give him. And I wouldn't have been surprised if the league came out and gave him a two or three game suspension for the league to only give him a two minute penalty in the game, non-releasable. And then to also only give him a one game suspension after that. I feel like that's a legitimate case of a bunch of alphas saying hey young gun shut up don't act like that we're not going to condone that and where we do have people you know kind of be the imperfect tools uh that are going to end up hacking you up because you're talking hot trash in a way that is now crossed the line in the eyes of the players in the league we're not going to punish that person as severely as maybe everybody else thinks that we should so i think that a lot of people are like how could they not have given him a two or three game suspension i think it's a message that you, this is how it works. You pop off at the mouth. You pop off at the mouth mouth as badly as he was. You are going to get slapped and no one's going to be surprised. Like all these people that are acting surprised that this went down. You guys are not well socialized, apparently, because we all learned in middle school. There are things that you can say to your peers and get away with it. And there are things that you can't. And Gaudet definitely went over the line into the area of, hey, this is still funny. I was still laughing as he was doing it. The cackle was super annoying, but the, the, the trash talk I was laughing at, even though I fully accepted that, oh, he's going to get his head taken off. I was happy to see a guy like Curtis Dixon, a wily vet and tough as nails. I was glad to see him come out and, and speak out against it the day after it happened. Now, the other part of this is Apple's not even on his team. That's why I feel like, obviously, you could tell there was a concerted effort on behalf of that defense to get him. And every chance they got to get close to him and hit him, they did, all the way up to the Apple thing. And, and, and a couple of things after that. I was pleased to see his team come to his defense in, in that scenario. Um, the first scuffle, they didn't come to his defense as much. The second scuffle, they definitely came to his defense. So I was glad to see Gaudet's teammates come to his defense and help him out. I was glad to see um, Apple's teammates come through because you kind of knew that they, these guys were all on the same page. Hey, we're just going to headhunt this guy. And I'm, like I said, I'm not saying it's right. And what Apple did could have injured him. You know, like he did, he, even that initial hit where he kind of came up and he got him high a little bit in the initial hit. They didn't call that. But then that the two or three cross checks to the head when the dude's on the ground, that I can't get behind. You know, that's, that's, I, I understand it. And I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't maybe even necessary to a degree. But in hindsight, it's easy to say, oh, probably shouldn't have done that, Apple. That was pretty brutal. And then Apple has that history of uh, jacking people up. So obviously people are a little sensitive to that. Now, that's it, though. In the end, I think that I hope it's over. I hope Gaudet learned his lesson, and I hope we don't see 
that level of chirping out of him, although I will be sad if we don't see any more chirping out of him, but I think that that's a message, and he may even have to eat some shit for a couple more games here because every defense may want to give him the business a little bit to let him know we're not going to tolerate that the way the chaos did, and I will love to see a rematch and have the chaos get another chance to um, light him up a little bit uh, just to see what they would do the next time they face each other, so I hope that rematch does happen. So in last night's game, we've got the Redwoods and the Chaos. Pretty good game going back and forth. They had to score wrong here on the first page. Uh, So it goes into OT uh, early on. And one thing that was very clear from the beginning, defense they're playing really tough defense here. And they've been playing really tough defense. I think that even though these guys are pros and you figure out you put these dudes on any size field, any situation with any rules, they're going to be able to rock this out. I feel like last year... The pace was much more frantic up and down the field. Maybe offensively they're trying to pace themselves and things are a little slowed down because of how they're playing back to back to back to back. That could be playing or our defenses and goalies just adjusting to the space better and, and playing better team defense because it does look like we're seeing a little bit a little bit more defense out of teams. Um, uh, the goalies too. Both Reardon and Troutner Jr. both played incredible throughout this game. And uh, really, the only reason the chaos are even in this game is because over the fourth quarter, uh, Blaze Reardon kind of stood on his head a little bit. I don't know. I wouldn't call it standing on his head, but he had a couple of very key saves at key moments in the fourth quarter to stop the Redwoods from pulling away and to allow the chaos to chip back in. So the chaos outscored the Redwoods 4-2 over the fourth quarter, and they needed that to, to get this game back to tied. So that was pretty big. Um, shooting percentage-wise, guys are shooting terrible. I mean, overall, in, 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 in this game, shooting percentage was 18%. Shot on goal percentage was 21-30. and 30. So the chaos were 18% shooting percentage, Redwoods 14%. So I'd like to see that pick up. That may tie into some of the offensive problems, but that could also be tied to, to good defense. Defenders getting a, getting a stick on the hands of a, of a dodging uh, midfielder that's getting, getting ready to rip one, getting on the hands of attackmen as they're ready to spot up. So that was good. Offensively, Curtis Dixon's beast. He goes three and one. Josh Byrne, two and two. Troy Ray and Troy Ray's goal at the end. Fourth quarter, chaos, down by two. I have never been a big fan of the two-point shot in the MLL, and then I wasn't a big fan of the two-point shot when they brought it to the PLL. But Troy Ray's two-pointer with about, what was it? I think about a minute 27 or something like that left in the fourth quarter. They're down by two. He sticks a one-pointer. They're down by one with a minute and a half left. The game's probably still over. Because of that two-point shot, he rips that from outside the box. Great feed by Dixon. Dixon saw him from the wing, threw it across field. Ray wanted it. You can tell Ray's like, yo, give it to me, give it to me. And then beautiful shot. Ray, right, righty, righty stick. He brings that stick all the way up and then drops that ball down into the bottom right corner, you know, opposite of where his stick was. So it was a beautiful shot from deep. But without that two-point shot, we don't have overtime in this game. So that does make it a little bit more exciting when teams are trying to play catch-up. The game's never fully out of reach. If you're within four goals, even in under two minutes or, or three minutes left, four goals in the college game with three minutes left, not looking too good. Uh, uh, unless you're, or, or let's say three goals with a minute and a half left, not looking too good, unless you're Syracuse and Cornell, uh, unless you're Syracuse playing Cornell in the national championship in, what was it, 2009 or whenever that was. But yeah, four goals isn't that big of a deficit to come back from when you have this two-point shot and you, every team has beasts that can just let it rip, especially with the poles in transition. They're uh, exceptionally dangerous. Fields was, was quiet. He was just uh, had one goal in the game. 
was all. So once again, though, I'd say that kind of leads into these players playing slightly better defensive lacrosse. Miles um, Jones, he ends up with a goal and two assists, and he assisted on the game winner to Ryder Garnsey in overtime. Overtime, once again, a couple of goalie saves here and there, but the Redwoods got the ball back after a shot off the pipe, or maybe it was a save by Reardon. And then uh, Miles Jones dodging from out top, sees Garnsey from behind. Garnsey catches it two steps up, sticks the sticks pretty much a one-on-one for the game winner. Uh, Garnsey, he ends up, it's hard to read these stats the way they do this. Uh, Garnsey ends up uh, 2-0. and uh, Miles Jones ends up 1-2. and uh, Joe Walter stuck a, a key goal late. Sergio Perkovic hit another two-pointer. And Perkovic's two-pointer was beautiful. That two-pointer he stuck, that Perkovic stuck, was a bouncer. So he's big right-handed cannon from out top, bounces it, hits the ground and then goes up to the upper left corner, not fully corner, but like a good, you know, good section of the corner up there that he stuck that. So that was a sick two point bounce shot. Uh, Peterson still scores a goal, but, and, and one thing that was important for the Redwoods is in a game where the goalies are playing hot and the defenses are playing well and the defense is contesting everything, transition becomes more important. Transition's already important on the shortened field, especially with the defenders being able to handle their sticks as well as they can. But for um, the, the Redwoods to get that, that flat break that they run working so well, where uh, they kind of bring Garnsey and... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank, so I'm just going to move on. Where they get the attackman, and Peterson's on the right side. Garnsey, I think, is the one who typically runs the plays that bottom left finisher, and Kavanaugh maybe is the one up on the wing. I'm not sure, but they end up flattening out and go three across as the middies and the poles are coming down, and that gives the middies and the poles a shot to get a good look, especially if there's nobody, if they've just got a guy trailing and nobody in front of them, and it makes it harder for the defense to decide who's stopping ball. But the Redwoods had that flat break working, and uh, that was really the key to this game for them overall. Uh, what else did we want to say? I talked about the only reason that the chaos even had a chance to get back into it was because of Reardon. Uh, we talked about the two pointer. Oh, and Tim Troutner jr. Uh, robbed Dixon and the woods. Uh... Wait, what is, what am I talking about? Yeah, I don't even know. We're at the end of this guys. I, I had one more point and it is literally gibberish. If I read you the note that I wrote, it says, let's see if, if I read the note, if it actually makes any sense at all. Troutner jr. Robbed Dixon. And the Woods got one in. Oh, okay. So I think that was what happened. I think Troutner made a save in overtime on one end. Ball goes back up the other side. No, I think uh, um, Reardon ended up having a save. And then that that save by Troutner on the one end is what led to the game-winning goal in overtime on the other. So goalie play has been excellent. Let's look at some stats here and try to see what we have. Uh, players, let's see what we have here for some stats. After all these games... Because uh, now we'll just kind of go, hey, here's my overview so far. We're, we're four or five, three to five games in or three to four games in for each team. Maybe we're only two or three games in for each team. Amat right now at the top of the list for points. He's got eight points overall. Rob Pinnell right behind him with seven. And Curtis Dixon right behind them uh, with seven. Kieran McCardle also seven. Jordan Wolf, who's been filthy, he's got six. So... Uh, it's good to see Amat. Amat has been a stud. Amat factored heavily in his team's win, uh, in the Archers' win the other night, where the Archers were down 6 3, 
I think at one point, and then Amet factored over the over to to get it back tied six six. Amet went one and two, or maybe it was to get it to seven six, and they took the lead. Amet was one and two over that four point swing. So Amet factoring at big times. He had that sick behind the back feed to Schreiber, where he kind of come up the left from X and then see Schreiber cutting down. So he kind of turns his head and maybe even shades like he's going to go back right and then just stick Schreiber behind the back and Schreiber quick sticked it. So it was, everyone said, I think in the telecast, they talked about how, Hey, we're all curious how that was going to look. And that was a beautiful goal, very sick feet out of Amen. And I often wonder how, how much of that is. I can just ding you right in the, right in the bread bot, right in the bread basket as you're coming down behind the back or how much of it is just kind of getting lucky. I threw a boatload of behind the back shots over my career uh, downfield and stuck a bunch of them. And I often marveled at where some of them ended up and how some of them would stick corners and how some of them would get past goalies. And it would make it look like I intended on doing that when you almost never do. You're just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to stick that behind the back now. And you just, the ball goes where it goes. So I, I actually had a pretty good shooting percentage from behind the back, but and I had a game, a game in a, a club tournament in Buffalo uh, when I was playing club ball for BU and I think we were playing Buffalo and um, I had a game where I stuck, I had four goals. Every single one of them were behind the back. I stuck a crossbody behind the back. I stuck a behind the back on a man up from like 10 yards. I stuck a fake high, put it low behind the back. And then I just stuck a regular one on a fast break. So I, to this day, I still remember that game because, you know, when you score four goals and every single one of them are hot dogging it behind the back, it's pretty funny. It wasn't really hot dogging it, though. There were good, good, good times, good times, as they say, in terms of it was a good time to take it. Uh, defensively, Cade Van T-Bombs, Cade Van Raphorst, uh, he's got a six-cause turnovers leading the league so far, eight GBs. Garrett Eppel, our boy, five-cause turnovers and a really crazy penalty on, uh, on The Undertaker, Matt Gaudet. Matt McMahon playing tough. Jack Rowlett playing tough. Just trying to mention some guys here. Face-off right now. We have a battle at the top of the face-off game here between Joseph Nardella Esquire. I don't. I, I just said that because seeing his full name, Joseph Nardella, sounded funny instead of Joe Nardella. Uh, and then Connor Farrell. They're both sitting at the top 71%. Now, Farrell, in fairness, has taken more than twice the draws that Nardella has, so I'll give that tie in terms of face-off percentage to uh, Farrell. But uh, Nardella and Farrell both sitting at the top at 71%. Uh, and then Stephen Kelly behind them with 56 Trevor Baptiste all the way down at 53%. He's 24 of 45. So he's taken as many draws as Farrell. He just has not has not handled them as well up at the, up to this point. We've got some LSM stats here. John Sexton, six-cost turnovers. Michael Earhart is an absolute beast and an animal. He's four and seven. Four cost turnovers, seven ground balls. Craig Sheik, Chick, 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 Cheek. I'm trying to figure out what I hear when I hear his name. It's just not not sounding right here. Uh, Hugh Krantz rocking, although he's only got he's one one cost turnover, four ground balls. And then the rookies. We have this rookie battle here. Uh, Costabile, he's uh, seven points. He's sitting right below Amen. Amen at eight points overall, four goals, four assists. Costabile, seven points, uh, four goals, one assist, and one two point uh, uh, goal. Uh, and then what else we got here? So that's the rookies Gaudet, you know, for all that chirping, he's been doing one goal, you know, off five shots. So I'm not sure that's chirp worthy, but here, you know, here we are, here's what he's doing, uh, tonight. And, and Hey man, how did you guys all feel about that late game last night? That's something I'm curious about. I admittedly could not make it through it. I got to halftime. I was tired as hell. And I ended up having to, I just knew that I wanted to get up super early this morning and record this. 
So I made it to halftime, and then I literally watched the rest of the game fast-forwarding here and there between the toilet and coffee before I sat down here to record this. Um, so how did you guys all feel about that late, late face-off? Because it was a little late for me. Tonight's game, uh, they're facing off at 7, and then we have an even later face-off next week at 9.30. Or, or wait, yeah, yeah, Thursday's game. Oh, wait, we have two games tonight. <laughs> Uh, tonight, we have a 7 o'clock game, Atlas against the Whip Snakes. That's going to be a good one. And we have the 9.30 nightcap again, uh, Archers against the Chrome. So that will be fun. Before we get into Friday night's action, uh, starting out with uh, uh, the chaos taking on the Whip Snakes. So tonight, first game, Atlas, Whip Snakes. Second game at 9.30, Archers, Chrome. Uh, one's on uh, The 7 o'clock's on NBC Sports Network, and the uh, late night game is on NBC Sports Gold. So that'll be good. So that's it. Let me know what you thought about the late game. Let me know what you think about Gaudet getting jacked up by uh, Garrett Apple. I'm uh, I'm for it in the sense of the the, the you know the, the 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 herd is going to end up kind of handling their business and making sure that undesirable things don't go down. I'm I'm also for the fact that he did get suspended at least a game. I think that was called for. He might have been able to get two out of it, and I would have still been behind it. Some of the guys calling for three, I think that's a little severe. Um, but I, I don't discount their opinion. I mean, it's a valid, valid thing to say. I'm not trying to say they're wrong. It's just like, eh, I'm thinking one or two given the situation was, was, was fine. So that's it. I'm going to be back this weekend here as we have more games to watch and, uh, we'll just keep rambling on about lacrosse. We're working on nailing down a couple of guests, uh, guys to talk to a little bit more about it. I'm going to try to hook up with the guys from pro lacrosse talk. We've been talking about it back and forth and just haven't been able to make anything transpire. So maybe we can get that done uh, as well as I'm working on. Hey, Queener, call me, call me Queener. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen what Bryce Queener is doing yet, Bryce Queener has started putting out c- content similar to mine, just sitting in front of a camera and rambling, and he has been doing an excellent job. So uh, if you're not if you're not already following him or friends with him on Facebook, Instagram, or any of the other platforms he's putting stuff up on, uh, hit him up too because Queener's doing a great job. I, I always do like a what am I listening to, and right now Queener legitimately is the main guy just because there's not a lot of guys that just sit here and ramble about the sport uh, like this. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but not a lot of of content outside of I like the Crease Dive is my other favorite lacrosse-specific uh, podcast. So give Queener a look. Give the, the Crease Dive guys a look. That's the Barstool uh, Lacrosse Podcast. They do an excellent job of just kind of talking, talking to you all and rambling about lacrosse. So that is it. As always, thank you for watching, listening. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can go to laxfactor.com, get swag and all that crap. And if you want to listen to the audio only version, go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor and hoost is out.